0: Hello and welcome to Kappa with a Pro, a new series on the podcast where I interview and chat with professionals who work within the pregnancy, birth and parenting sphere. Over the next few weeks, you will see that I will alternate between Kappa with a Pro and a woman's birth story so that there is still variety on the podcast and there will be a few health professionals coming on the podcast to chat about their area of expertise. So I hope you enjoyed this series. And to kick off this series, in this very first episode, I chat with the lovely Chloe, who is a clinical nutritionist. And the main theme of our episode is chatting about the concept of postpartum depletion. So... To help put it in perspective, Chloe also shares with us her two pregnancies and postpartum journeys, which led her onto her path of becoming a clinical nutritionist. And some really key concepts that we chat about in this episode is the idea that postpartum is a continuum. It never stops, actually, you are postpartum for life after you have a baby, and This is where symptoms of postpartum depletion, which Chloe will take us through what those symptoms can look like and how mainstream they are sometimes. So therefore those symptoms can sometimes be viewed as being a mom and being tired and exhausted. But just because we think it is the norm to experience certain things as a mom, doesn't make them normal. And this is what we chat about with Chloe. And she takes us through what to look out for. And also, if you believe that this is you and that you might be experiencing postpartum depletion regardless of when you had your last baby, then Chloe gives us some keys as to what to do and who to turn out to for help. In my opinion, postpartum depletion is a concept that isn't talked about enough and I can't thank Chloe enough for coming on the podcast and sharing her expertise with us. So I hope you can take away something from this episode and you enjoy it. You are listening to Kappa with a Pro, a new series on the podcast Kappa with a Doula, where I chat with professionals working within the birth, pregnancy, and parenting sphere. And we chat all about the area of expertise in the aim to try and raise awareness about very important topics that affect moms and moms-to-be, and also to help you to feel empowered to have the pregnancy the birth, and the parenthood journey that you want to have. Hi, Chloe. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, no worries. Um, Do you want to start by introducing yourself? So telling the listeners uh, your name, where you living, and who is in your family? Awesome. So my name's Chloe. I live in
1: sunny Brisbane, which doesn't get too cold, thankfully. Um, <laughs> in my family, there's four of us: as my partner and I, and our two beautiful children, Hugo, who is five, about to turn six, and Frankie, who is two. So oh, the four of us running
0: amok in Brisbane. Amazing. Nice. And <laughs> and so you're um so you're a nutritionist, which will we'll probably cover anytime soon because it really ties in with your story as well, actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I mean, I was always passionate about nutrition, but it took me, three degrees for me to realize I should actually go and study it. So, um, yeah, we just took the long road around and uh, basically racked up a huge hex debt in the meantime. But other than that, oh. I am very happily a nutritionist. Um, I see people in Brisbane and online um, yep. and I have a huge passion for postnatal health um, but also motherhood care because I think a really um, important aspect is that, you know, we do care for women in that postnatal period but Also, you know, postpartum is forever, and that's a topic that really sort of lights a fire in my belly, so they're my main interests and focus as a nutritionist. Nice. I love your expressions. (laughs) (laughs) Love
0: it. Um, So, I always ask all of my guests the same question. Chloe, Mm -hmm. did you always want to be a mum?
1: Oh, yeah, I did, and I wanted three children, but I'm happily settling at two. Okay.
0: (laughs) Are you
1: sure maybe I'm definitely sure yes <laughs> Not. Yeah. Well, see, that
0: that will be a good uh maybe if we get to it uh that will be a good um a good thing to chat about the fact that you wanted three, but mm. after you had Frankie, obviously something changed and you and you decided that too, or you you both, obviously, with your partner, decided that yep. too was, was enough for your family, that's a good discussion to have as well. Um, yeah, I think it's an important one too because like what yeah. you think you want and then what
1: actually translates once you've got small humans running around can be two different things and that's
0: perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's right. That's right. So um, I guess let's take a, a very big step back, so about like more than almost six years ago. Um, did you plan to conceive Hugo when you did?
1: I mean, yes, like we weren't too concerned if we fell pregnant mm. and it was definitely a beautiful surprise. Uh, well, not a surprise, but like, it. you know, we yep. weren't trying but we weren't not trying essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah, it was um, – not planned,
0: but not unplanned. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, did you did you find out fairly early on that you were pregnant?
1: No, I remember being at my mum's, coming home from my getting my hair done um, one Saturday, and I don't know what she picked up on, but she was like, "Is your period late?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, actually, it is, but like, it's <laughs> always four or five days late. Like, I'm not worried." And this was only like four days late, and she was like, "Okay." Are you sure? And I was like, Yeah, mum, like, I'm not concerned at all. Anyway, it was my dad's birthday that night, uh-huh. and I had a champagne, and I don't usually drink, but I had a champagne, and I was so sick. I've never been so sick in my life. And it still took me to the following Wednesday to do a pregnancy test because it was just so normal that my period wasn't on time. Like, it's fine. Um, and it was the strongest positive I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I don't know what my mum picked up on, but she was bang on that
0: day. <laughs> wow. Mum's yeah. instinct at like right. the best mum instinct. Like did she smell pregnancy on you?
1: <laughs> I don't know, she does. She has the best sense of smell.
0: But like <laughs> there was nothing
1: different about me. I didn't understand. Like I just got my hair dyed. Like I had no you know? <laughs> anyway, high five mum, well done you picked it.
0: <laughs> wow, amazing. And now she can be a proud grandma and say I knew you were in mum's belly before your mum even knew. Before your mum, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, grandma, grandma vibes. Yeah. How um how did you find navigating, you know, your, your birthing options back then because you were not well, you were not preventing, let's say. So were you informed yep. about what care you could get?
1: I had no idea and I had no established general practitioner in Brisbane. Okay. Uh, So it was a big learning curve on multiple aspects, but what I did know intuitively is that I wanted what my ideal birth was, a drug-free, intervention-free water birth. That's all Mm -hmm. I knew. I had no idea if I could access that in Brisbane. I had no idea what options were available to me, but I knew that that's what I wanted. And um, so, yeah, I went to the GP and she was like, oh, well, you're just assigned to the Royal Brisbane anyway, so here you go. Mm And I was like, okay, (laughs) cool. But um, the the cool thing is one of my close friends actually had a friend who was studying midwifery and she Uh needed mothers on her caseload um, to graduate. And so my friend was like, hey, like I'm going to hook you up with my friend. And so about 10 weeks in um, I had coffee with her and I told her what I wanted and she was like, oh, Chloe, you've got to apply for the birth centre. And I was like, yeah, great idea. No idea what that is. And she was like, look, the (laughs) referral's been sent off. Um, So, like, you'll be under, like, the general midwifery care anyway at the Mm -hmm. Royal. But when you go for your booking and appointment, just ask about the birth centre. It's unlikely you'll get in, but, like, just do it. And I was like, okay, yeah, great. I'll say that. So, like, I'm on the table and the lady's asking me about family history. And I was like, hey, do you reckon you could just see if I can get into the birth centre? And she was like, Well, it's actually really strange because there's a sticker on your file saying birth center. And I was like, oh, cool. She was like, so let me just double check on that and I'll get back to you. And I was like, okay, excellent. And um, yeah, lo and behold, I got a text two days later saying,
0: congratulations, you've been accepted. Oh, no way. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. did you have Very the lucky. same midwife because you were in a birth center or was it still a midwife on call then?
1: No, I had the same. So in the oh. birth center there was a team of 3. Um yep. we just got assigned to a team and um yeah, that was that was that. And then because I was a birth center patient for Hugo, yep. I was automatically a birth center patient for Frankie and oh. I had the exact same midwife for both. Um, oh oh no that's
0: that's such a great story oh yeah it It was the best she's
1: this midwife was so beautiful like yeah she just the whole way even with Frankie because she knew how I birthed Hugo there were just differences in in that labor and birth process with the two of them and so she knew exactly when to intervene because she knew how I birthed the first time and the second time was very different and so she knew sort of this isn't right for her so what potentially Frankie was posterior. Mm -hmm. so what potentially could have been a long labor and birth process Mm. it was seven hours because she knew that
0: we had to try and intervene and turn her
1: um, which we did which was awesome
0: wow that's amazing Mm. that is so good Mm. and this is something I talk a lot about if is in your case you got really lucky because you obviously didn't know about the birth centre, so you didn't know you could get continuity of care and Mm. sometimes you know the the stars align right and you just meet the right people and they just tell you and you say, oh, can I get into the birth centre? And somehow you're already in anyway. Yeah.
1: yeah, you've <laughs> already got the sticker on your file.
0: Gosh. Oh, that's so
1: good. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe my GP wrote something about it. Yeah, <clears throat> like maybe she accidentally referred. I mean, mm-hmm. she's not my GP anymore, but maybe that yeah. doctor just like ticked a box, didn't know what she was ticking, but just ticked it. And
0: anyway, <laughs> it, it all nice. worked out swimmingly. So, how yeah. was that pregnancy? Did you feel well? Did how how did you feel actually?
1: I felt amazing. Like I had a little bit of nausea, but yeah, I basically could have gone through the majority of pregnancy without knowing I was pregnant. And my <laughs> midwife was like that labor and birth was textbook I've never seen a first-time mum labor and birth like that like what is your secret and I was like <laughs> I took a bit of magnesium the night oh. I went into labor like maybe that was it and she just laughed she's like that's not gonna do that Chloe <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was a really beautiful process in terms of, of labor and birth and the initial sort of week or so post-birth with Hugo and then yeah we definitely sort of Took a bit of a turn around eight weeks, um, mm-hmm. postpartum. And I guess this is kind of like easing into, I guess, my story and, yeah. and what I, why I'm, I'm so passionate about this, um, this niche, I guess. About eight weeks, you know, everything was going really well. I'd gone and had my six week postnatal check. Mm. um and I was cleared to go back to the gym and and pre-hugo I was you know off doing triathlons quite frequently so I couldn't wait to get back into the gym and I was back in the gym and one Saturday afternoon I was just sitting on the couch and all of a sudden these really intrusive thoughts just kind of Mm. smacked me in the face and I was like whoa what is that and so yeah that you know like I kind of kept it to myself and I was like oh this is this isn't right. I'm just not quite sure mm-hmm. what this is right now because this is all very new to me. Um, so I went and tried to have a shower and wash it away. Not sure what that concept is, and they definitely <laughs> didn't wash it away. <laughs> I went to bed, and I thought, maybe I'm just tired. Like, maybe mm-hmm. I'm just exhausted. Yep. Hugo slept through from four weeks, so it wasn't like oh. I was – classically awake every two hours or something like yeah. that but they were still there on the Sunday so I told my partner and he was like look um and, you know I think that the, the two of us can work through it you're used to sort of working out maybe you've just kind of I don't know lost touch with yourself so maybe let's get you back into these sorts of things that make you feel a little bit more like yourself and so getting back to the gym and those sorts of things you know were very much on our radar but yeah the, the Monday I went to the gym and I was you know fighting off tears the entire time And I got home and I just dissolved into an absolute mess. And I called my mum and I was like, I think I have postnatal depression. And she was like, I don't think you do. I think you're okay. And I was like, no, this is not normal. I'm not sure what this is, but this is not normal. And yeah, basically from then I just set up like what I kind of termed as stepping stones. I guess I kind of visualized Mm. them as stepping stones because this was Mm. so you know stark for me to experience these symptoms. And I checked in with, I first sort of established my support network, right? So I called my mom, I called my sister-in-law, I called a few people just to sort of say, hey, this is going on. Um, and then I booked in with a GP, I booked in with my nutritionist, and then I had a referral to a psychologist. So like in that first week, I kind of had three stepping stones, right? People that I was talking to and obviously my GP was epic. I'd changed GPs by this point and I'd found a new GP and he was amazing. Ran oh, a nice. bunch of bloods and we found the root cause was my thyroid was really playing mm-hmm, up. mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, basically that was kind of the start of my postpartum journey with Hugo As navigating, you know, what was, I guess, floated around as postpartum depression, mm-hmm. but I really do feel like it was more postnatal. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. depletion as opposed to postpartum depression which resulted in my thyroid having imbalances but nutritional deficiencies and a whole bunch of sort of aspects that that contributed to these symptoms so my treatment therefore was multimodality as opposed to yeah. just straight up like an antidepressant or something like that yeah. or just straight thyroid treatment yeah and yeah. so that's
0: that's a really important thing as well so in your case uh, it's mm. it's almost like you were the one identifying you know that there's a problem when your mom who told you you were pregnant um now tells you you're fine but you're obviously not so hmm. yeah and I, like I know there. she meant the,
1: yeah well I know she meant the absolute best yeah. from it you know yeah, what yeah. I mean like you know she was very much trying to be like no no no, you're strong like yeah are, are you sure this is what it is like I, I don't think that's yeah. what it is let's work through it together you know what I mean but yeah I yeah, think yeah. That the concept of mood changes postpartum, it's supposed to be a really fun time, right? Like you're supposed to be welcoming this new baby into the planet. It's the happiest time of your life. And I think very much, you know, that that mood imbalance situation isn't spoken about enough. And therefore, it can be kind of like, well, are you sure? Like, is this actually what's going on? But, like, I was just dissolving into tears multiple times a day. So it was very abnormal for me and something that I just didn't want to stick around with without sort of investigating further what was going on. Yeah, and I think that's, like, something that I think that's because that was the field I was in, right? So I was always working in allied health clinics um, I was obviously studying nutrition at that point in time so I kind of was in that sphere to be able to do that I was empowered mm. to do that. Whereas I think a lot of women kind of would experience and, and the stories that I hear from women is they do experience these mood changes but they don't know who to talk to. Exactly. and they might reach out to their GP who tries an antidepressant but that doesn't work yeah. and their bloods are coming back as normal and this is where things like uh, concepts and and this um, idea of postnatal depletion syndrome really comes in because things can look a hundred percent normal from a diagnostic yeah. perspective We can't fit you into a box but yeah. that doesn't mean your symptoms aren't real doesn't yeah. mean your symptoms aren't valid doesn't mean that there's nothing that can be done about it it's just that maybe, there is no medication to treat like a symptom or an aspect of it but there is so much that we can do and so much that we can establish in the line of a support network to be able to do you know other aspects for us and and alleviate that load as new mothers and even you know Hugo is almost about to turn six and so
0: even now like the support is still required. It's just different. And, and as you said, you know, postpartum is not—you know—it's not six weeks. It's not six months. It's not twelve months. It's forever. Like you're forever mm-hmm. postpartum, and that's a yeah. really important concept because y- you know the—you know—mental health or you know physical health, like you know postnatal depletion, you can experience that months and months after you've had the baby, and then people go, "Well, you've had the baby like two years ago. Like you're fine, fine, but." But yes. no, you you're not, and that's important to say. Well, it can still be linked to to the birth. It can be linked to you know your postpartum and and the way you know nourishment, because we know that first time moms sometimes we we put our baby first. You know, we eat at like four pm. We're eating breakfast, and you know we're not <laughs> we're not getting the nutrients in. Essentially, yeah, we just pay for that. Later on, basically, yeah. it, at the time we go, oh well, that's fine. That's only for you know for however long I need to do that. But it can actually mm. catch up with us, and that's and that's exactly what I'm guessing postnatal depletion is.
1: Hundred percent, yeah. And actually, I read an interesting study yesterday um, on uh, measuring fatigue in mothers up to when their child is twenty six months old.
0: Mm-hmm. And this
1: study actually showed that fatigue levels are exactly the same wow. um, between like a. a you know, a mother who's just recently birthed through to a mother whose child might be 24, 26 months. It's just that the source of that is very different Mm. and it actually is not affected by the amount of sleep or lack thereof. Mm. So Mm -hmm. that was a really interesting study to read because, you know, as you know, my Frankie would, I would kind of fall into that category. And to have that fatigue level kind of validated and be like, oh, it's actually, okay that i'm tired but i'm still sleeping at night time do you know what i mean like i think disseminating Mm. some of this information is really important so that we don't feel like we're lacking in motherhood that we're doing it wrong that there's something that is we're not doing right it's that you are feeling this and that's completely valid but also who can support you in getting back to feeling your best? And that's, that's right. kind of a question. And it doesn't have to be one person. It might be a team of people and that's perfectly okay
0: as well. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that, thank you for saying that. That's, that's exactly right because, as you said, sometimes you go, well, my baby sleeps at night so I can't be sleep-deprived. But I mean, you know the fatigue you get from you know the the physical work of being a mom, the mental load of being a mom, and the mental load of you know uh, looking after your house and making sure you know dinner is on the table and the laundry is done and and you know the the whatever is done, you know all mm-hmm. of that leads to fatigue and exhaustion, and yes, you can sleep for eight hours at night, but you know this load if you, if it's not um shared if it's not you know if it's if it's always let's say your responsibility and and you're not maybe you're not delegating or you've got no one to delegate to it will just eat away at at the person basically and it doesn't matter how old the baby is you know you can and and as as you've got toddlers it's a whole new challenge of you know a newborn is contained they feed often yes they wake up often yes But a toddler Mm. is a whole new level of exhaustion
1: there. That's for sure. Yeah, 100%. And I think that, you know, yeah, typically you kind of get at least six months is kind of stretching it, but at least four months postpartum is like, well, you're ready to go back to work. Yeah, like you're fine. That's
0: right. Mm.
1: Cool. Cool. So you're laid out. You're you're exactly who you were before, but Mm. you're just a mum now. And there's so much to be said for this concept of matrescence where it's this whole shift it's this whole spiritual emotional shift that we're Mm. going through while we're physically recovering and we're restoring nutrient levels and we're figuring out our new support network because as most mothers find their friendship circles change when they have children so that support that was once there might not have might not be there anymore
0: no that's right and that's exactly right especially if you're the first of your friends to have babies and therefore they don't understand what it's Mm. like to have a baby like obviously they know you know they can see your baby but they don't understand the responsibilities the load it comes with and you know the the naps and the uh, obviously the sickness and the you know they, they just don't get it i feel no um no and and yeah and and so when you when you lose your friends or you can't see your friends because they go out for example i don't know clubbing drinking and you go uh well i can't really go out because i need to help my baby to sleep for example uh there's this social disconnection which is going to affect you know the the mother you know on a on a mental level probably Mm. and then you add you know, you're you're just adding layers to that with, you know, as you said, you know, the depletion of, of nutrients and the sometimes lack of nutrients intake or nourishing mm. food intake. Um, because mm. let's be honest, how easy is it to cook like a nutritious meal when you've got a newborn or when you've got a toddler? It's it's just yeah. not that straightforward sometimes. No.
1: And that's exactly it. And, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a joke. Oh, yeah, like we had breakfast at 4 o'clock and then we ate dinner at 1 a.m. And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Like at least you're getting food in. But, yeah. again, like we look at, and this is one factor that does contribute to postnatal depletion 100% mm. is social factors. Like we look at different cultures around the, wor- around the world and what they implement as a postpartum practice for mm. the mother. And Western cultures are so different. It's kind of like, you know, oh, well, you're good to go, right? And But I think it's really important important too because one of the things that I experienced obviously postpartum with Hugo I did the whole stay at home for 6 weeks and mm-hmm. do all those things that I thought you were supposed to do mm-hmm. but that actually took a really huge mental toll on me like yeah. I think that actually played into the establishment of this depression and this anxiety mm-hmm. that I was experiencing because yeah. I'm an outdoors person like yeah. I want to be in nature I want to be around people I want to go and do stuff so that was a huge change that I made mm. between Hugo and Frankie was Breaky was four days old and we were at our son's jiu class on that Saturday morning nice. because one, because it was important for us to keep going mm. to the thing that he likes and making sure that he knows that he's still, you know, the apple of our eye and all these amazing things as well. But also that was so important for me to be like, I'm out, like I'm doing things, like I'm connected with myself still. And yes. so that's a huge reflection that I um, had When I was, when I fell pregnant with Frankie and I was like, oh no, like, am I going through all of this again? Obviously, like it took me a while to get to the point where I was ready to fall pregnant again, but very much that I reflected once I got that positive pregnancy test and I was like, okay, so how are we doing things differently this time Mm -hmm. to try and change our outcomes postpartum, you know, compared to what happened with Hugo. And that was a huge one that I changed. I I changed my social factors. I really changed who I allowed to give opinions or who I took on board opinions from, I guess Mm, would be a better way to say it. I had definitely changed my social network at that point in time. And I changed obviously the nutritional way that I was treating myself. But yeah, I was very much like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to go out or do you want to stay home? And if you want to go out, that's actually okay. Like, there's no reason that you can't. So, yeah, it's definitely something else that I'm passionate about is getting that, that word out there that yeah. every pregnancy and labor might be different, but every postpartum can be different too. It just sort of takes us to reflect on what we truly want rather than the ideas that have sort
0: of we're being told to accept as what you do, you know, you just do yeah. that, you do it. Exactly, and and I think, you know, you, you mentioned this before and um, this is something I've been mentioning in a few episodes now, the cultures and how we're very behind, as you said, you know, we're, we're just, the way we see motherhood, you know, now we're, we're starting to say, oh, it takes a village, but see, African cultures, they've got it covered, like they've, to them, when there is a new mother, an expectant mother, She's going to be surrounded by people, people doing her laundry, people cooking for her, people making sure she's all right, people making sure the kids are entertained if she's got kids. And then when she has the baby, well, obviously the baby's going to be worn, you know, either it's from the mother herself or relatives, people around her, and the mother's mm. going to be fed and she's going to be helped and, and you know, and she's just never going to, go oh who can I turn to for help who can I who's going to be there to look after my toddler or who's going to be there if I need to to you know go somewhere like she's Mm -hmm. just got people right and we just we're we're, I think we're starting to get there but we Mm -hmm. live in a society where you know once the baby's born and you're out of the hospital or the birthing center that's it you go home okay bye that's it and you're good right Yeah. Yeah. And you don't really get, it's like, oh, you've got your six-week appointment with your GP. A lot of things happen in six weeks.
1: Oh, don't they? You need
0: need support before six weeks. Like, at that point, Mm. if you haven't got the support or if you don't know where to find it, by six Mm. weeks, there's a lot of, you know, depression, anxiety. There's a lot of, you know, all of those which then lead to burnout, basically, or or just not feeling Mm. adequate. Because we're not being supported we're not being told where can i get support we're not being told mm. about community health centers and maternal and child health nurses and we're not being told about you know i don't know play groups and and, and places yeah. where you can meet other moms that you know had a baby recently or are going through the same thing as you and we're mm. just not getting a social network and so therefore we feel isolated and we go, oh, we have to stay home for six weeks because, you know, the baby's yeah. not vaccinated and so on. That's not yeah. true. You don't have to. You do You do what works for you. And that's exactly what you did with Frankie. Uh, for yeah. you, staying home doesn't work. But don't stay home. Just do what works.
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I think that when we start to empower ourselves more, like, you know, I sought regular chiropractic care. I took my babies to chiropractors like I I did Mm -hmm. these things that may not be socially accepted as normal Mm -hmm. but they were the things that helped me sort of know that I was doing all the right things to kind of care for us and I just did it my way the second time and it might not be everyone's way but yeah I think once we empower ourselves with that like it's okay to, to apply your own personality to postpartum that's you know empowering enough but then also knowing that it's not just your GP that can provide care for you they do an excellent role at a lot of things but there are other professionals out there you know exercise physiologists to help you make sure that you're physically ready and that Mm. the training that you're doing is appropriate for the stage of postpartum that you're in there's nutritionists there's naturopaths Mm. there's there's so many people out there that can support you And I think once we get that referral network sort of built up and what works for us and we apply all these things together, then we can start to formulate a really good postpartum plan, which is, you know, something that I do with a lot of my pregnant patients. I do a postpartum planning consult at Mm -hmm. around 30 weeks just to start planting ideas of like, hey, have you thought about a meal train? Have you thought about you know these aspects what are you going to do for deep rest like how are you going to apply concepts of rest at a time when you should be really fatigued and not sleepy? how are you going to offer your part how can your partner support you because every woman wants to be supported in a different way right mm-hmm. um so just these things to start talking about and raise these conversations so that we're a bit more proactive for postpartum rather than reactive like oh my gosh yep. now i feel you know awful i feel depressed all day what am i going to do about it we could lay some foundations for a little bit more support prior to that happening
0: yeah exactly that's right and and that's that's a really important concept it's not it's planning planning you know you plan for your birth you obviously through your pregnancy you prepare potentially you plan for your birth and then that's it that's where the prep stops and and that's that's what happens right like when you go to the hospital and you do the birth classes they're called birth classes they're not called birth and you know early parenthood classes they, they just yeah. only prepare you for birth so then you go well I'm prepared but then once that that's over you've got your baby and you go well, I don't know what to do now but I've got a thermometer
1: that I made sure I had before I left hospital
0: (laughs) yeah exactly and I mean it's it's even worse like when you're in the postpartum ward you know you can press a button and someone comes to show you you know how to latch potentially how to burp um you know help you with bathing all of that but then you go home Mm -hmm. and you've got none of that right and you go oh what do I do now I'm on my own and you know it's, it's obviously so different when you're home, you know, in the hospital, you go, yeah, I've got this. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. You go home, everything is different. And you go, oh, no, I can't do it. Yeah. And, yeah. and again, yeah. yeah, where is that support at that point, you know, where it's all in the prep, it's also in the social, Um, you know, the, the people around us. Because, you know, for example, when you're a new mom or young mom, sometimes you need your own mom there to to help you, and we know that moms have sometimes different opinions, and that's that can be difficult too. If you want to do parenting a certain way, but then your mom's like, "Well, I did this for you, and obviously you turned out fine," and you have to fight against that. That's that's a whole other story. Um, Mm. But sometimes it's about, for example, having your mom or your partner. If you tell them ahead of time, like, "Oh, I'd like you to cook when when I'm feeding," then that Mm. way you know we've got dinner sorted, and I don't have to. Think about it while trying to breastfeed the baby, but also recover, and I'm bleeding a lot and and I'm yeah, in pain and stuff, you know, um as you said, it's all about preparation and having those conversations with the people that will most likely be around you or that you want to be around mm-hmm. you and asking for those people to come, you know friends. Um, usually, they if they're if they're a good friend, they want to support you. Maybe you can tell them at your baby shower that if they come, can they come with something to eat? Maybe that could yes. be a thing. Can they? I had a guest say they um, they write they wrote a to-do list on their fridge, and yeah. basically told her friend that uh, wh- whatever friend came, that the to-do list was on the fridge. Pick a task to do, any task. You know, no questions asked, and and just do that and that's really helpful yeah and that's a really good thing to do i think it's Mm. sometimes it's it's hard to ask for for help right i think it's it's a a thing Mm. you know we we just go oh i can do it i can do it all but we don't have to we can Mm. ask for help we can delegate and that's really important
1: and i think an even harder thing than asking for help is saying, hey, actually, I don't want any visitors today. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Like, hey, I want to come see the baby. Okay, like lovely, but I'm not up to it today. In fact, I'm probably not up to it for the first three weeks. So what I'm going to quietly ask is that everyone stays home and when I'm ready, I'll let you guys know. And it's like people get really offended about it. But mm. and again, yeah. that will look different. Like some people will want people around them all the time and other people will, you know, I just want to nest and, and be in my yeah. own little baby bubble. But it's this concept of mothering the mother, you know, and holding yeah. the mother so that she can hold the baby. Um, and they're all really important concepts that I think we need to, you know, and I think in our roles as um, mothers who support mothers, you know, sort of just throw a couple of like lines of empowerment at pregnant women and just sort of say hey like it's okay to sort of say these things and stand firm in your power Mm. because this is your this is your postpartum with this baby and you're never going to get this time back Mm. you're you know you will have things that you will do and you wish that you didn't do or things that you didn't do that you wish that you did do Mm. and they're important reflections to have because if you ever decide to have another baby you will have another chance to sort of you know tweak that postpartum period and that's when those radical changes can come in so it's okay you know to sort of you know have those moments of reflection but yeah sort of stand firm in your power as to what it is that you feel like you need at that point in time and be okay communicating that to your support
0: group yeah no that's right that's yeah and and as you said you know sometimes it's hard because you know it's it's the mother-in-law it's your it's your own mother and and maybe you you know as you said you want a nest and you just don't want anyone around and and then the family pressures and says oh yeah but I want to see the baby when they're small but I mean the baby's gonna be like always yeah so.
1: yeah and depending on what like the birth and labor was like like yeah physically you might just not want to get up yeah, yeah
0: the right.
1: stitches might be catching a little bit and you yeah. just might not want to have to navigate that situation with people around yeah yeah that's right
0: <laughs> so what what did you do differently between hugo and, and frankie to to have a different postpartum. So when this concept of postpartum
1: depletion came about, like it talks about all these different factors that kind of contribute to this arise of symptoms, I guess, and, and the way that you kind of develop post postnatal depletion. And there's a lot of different factors that's involved in that. Obviously, it's not just one cause, but nutritional um, components is obviously a huge one that I reflected on massively between the two. Um, social factors, like we've discussed, sleep Mm. and and prioritizing rest which is a massive one that like Mm. you know with Hugo I was walking around holding him and like oh yeah he's asleep in my arms and I'm just doing the floors now and then I'd be like Mm. okay cool the floors are done and it's 8 a.m and it's like well hang on you don't have to be an overachiever at cleaning (laughs) like it's okay (laughs) and so I definitely modified that like I, our house was an absolute mess for so long um, when Frankie was born. But yeah, definitely modified like, my self-expectations around housework. Definitely modified my own nutritional prescription regarding supplements. Um, I was a lot more empowered and proactive with blood tests with my doctor. I mean, he's my doctor is epic um, and was most happy to kind of work with me along all of it. And I didn't have to change my medication dose at all like things, you know, was, it was a lot different the second time around. And the other biggest thing that I did was I napped and I napped Mm. a lot. I made sure Hugo was napping with us (laughs) and I took guilt-free rest breaks. So yeah, there was a lot of, and and again, for my own mental health sake, I was out and about quite a lot. Um, Frankie had a tongue tie and, um, intuitively I knew something wasn't quite right Mm -hmm. about day three, but I didn't know exactly what that was. Um, And I kind of, my own visualization of postpartum is like, you're almost like walking yourself out of a haze and the haze is kind of lifting and things become a bit clearer. So day three haze was quite a lot, but week three haze, I was like, no, there's actually something wrong. And so we were offered appointments and doing sort of things. So I was a little bit busier in that respect, but I trusted my mother's intuition so much more with Frankie. And I think, again, that kind of leads into your own self-care and ability to you know stabilize your mood and be a little bit more connected with yourself at that point in time. You trust yourself a lot more, I think. Well, Mm. I trusted myself a lot more with my second than what I did with with
0: Hugo. What you just said made me think. Um, Do you think postnatal depletion is also, um, I guess, uh, another factor that could lead to it is could it be also breastfeeding because obviously breastfeeding, um, the baby is getting to our nutrients, I guess, supplies. Um, and, and again, if, you know, you're not replenishing yourself, you're not eating nourishing food, you're not, you know, you're not getting the rest, you're not, you know, all those factors. So does breastfeeding, I guess, not aggravate, but does it deepen the depletion you think?
1: Yeah, it very much can. So I tell all of my patients to stay on their post on their prenatal postnatally while they're Mm. um, breastfeeding. And it's just a way to keep that baseline nutrient level going in. But also, you know, I guess food is king there as well and making sure that you've got macro balanced meals and those sorts of things 100 percent. stress is a huge one that contributes to postnatal depletion as well and you know in that aspect again all of what we've discussed in terms of you get home and you're like i don't know how to care for this thing like there's no manual i'm not really sure and like all of these like stresses going on these people want to visit i don't want them to visit my house is a mess all these sorts of things are running like that's really stressful and then obviously the mother's pre-existing health so i had my thyroid antibodies they were diagnosed at 21. So I was uh, yeah, when I was 21, um, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. So I like had some pre-existing stuff going on and we knew that the immune changes during pregnancy would likely sort of tip me over the edge. So we kind of were a little bit prepared, but I guess I wasn't prepared for the smack in the face that I got in terms yeah. of that mood change. So in that respect, there are, you know, multiple confounding factors that kind of contribute to it, but yeah, I think there's a little bit from all of them to be honest.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and that's the thing. I think you know us as humans we're not it's not a straightforward you know textbook example we, there are so many factors that affect you know mental health physical health you know and that's where you just can't go oh if I sleep more at night I will feel yeah. so much better because sometimes it's sleep plus exercise plus okay. nutrition yeah. plus you know, having friends plus going outside, you know, like so many factors, right? It's not just I will sleep more, I'll feel better. No, that's not it. There's a lot more to address. And yeah, we're just complex humans.
1: We are. And this is what I like about postnatal depletion as a syndrome. I mean, I don't like it. It, No one wants to go through it. Um, But I like that it's a syndrome in that you might be mm. on a mild end of it and you might yeah. have, you know, certain like a few confounding factors and things that nutritionally we can support and you'll sort of come out of it a lot quicker than someone who's a lot more severe. And and the symptoms that we look out for, you know, fatigue is a really common one, but it's quite debilitating, I guess, yeah. um, when it gets into that depletion state, um, mood irregularities, uh, mm-hmm. baby brain. Because our mm. the maternal brain actually undergoes like a full rewire when we're pregnant. So some aspects of it is that that reprogramming um, of the neural connections, but also yeah. you know baby brain can be nutritional deficiencies as well. Being awake when your baby's asleep is a bit of a classic one as well, like that insomnia. Yeah. So yeah, there's a whole range of of symptoms that we look out for that might, you might come back completely normal in bloods for like, you know, your iron might be a little bit low, but that's all we can really find. But functionally when we look, maybe your B12 isn't quite where we need it. Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, DHA, one of the omega-3 fatty acids isn't, you know, you're not having any, you know, fatty fish or you're not on a fish oil supplement or something like that. These nutrients that go into create a whole new person's central nervous system really generally do get depleted from us and we need to restore that for ourselves but like you said when we're breastfeeding that development is still happening and that nutrient loss is still coming from us and so maintaining that you know is quite quite a chore really (laughs) um it's quite a feat but that's where if you can stay on your prenatal postnatally while you're lactating um, mm. at least you've got some of those baselines covered yeah. and then food on top of that is going to sort of see you in a lot better place than what mm. you know just trying to scrounge for food one-handedly across the day if you can make it and yeah. you're not nap trapped or cluster feeding
0: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah all, all the stuff that breastfeeding mum know about what well, even formula feeding mums know about yes. yes and and you touched on a really important thing I know you've got to go soon um so i guess we'll just finish up on that all the symptoms of motherhood that we define as normal having baby brain uh having your achy body having incontinence uh feeling tired all the time uh, not having any energy that doesn't have to be normal we we as a society have decided that basically when you become a mom you also become broken somehow and that's Mm. totally normal but it's not and, and I don't know at what point we accepted that when we become moms, we're exhausted, we're tired, uh, we cannot mm. even think of words. We, you know, we can't function normally. Uh, you know, mm. that's that's not the norm. But I don't know at what point that became the norm. And it's important <laughs> to say you can address yeah. those things. You know, they are, you know, as you said, nutritional deficiencies can affect the brain development, and and therefore. How we think and how we remember. Mm. So maybe there needs to be um, an appointment with the GP to do a set of bloods, you know, to do a, a full set of bloods to check for those nutrient deficiencies. And if that's not, you know, going in deep enough, then maybe you need a nutritionist there to, I guess, tell you. What blood tests to do to find out Mm. what specific deficiencies uh, you may or may not have and check those levels. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and even telling off symptoms really tells us so much as well. So, for some of the nutrients, we can't get a blood test done for them. So, that really does go off our questioning. But things like B12, iron, um, Mm. zinc, even copper, like a lot of these Mm -hmm. nutrients, we can get tested in the blood. And um, it is something that, you know, some GPs. Will run the best panels. Like, I've seen some GPs run some very comprehensive panels, and then I've seen some flat out refuse a six week blood test. And the mother's just like, Chloe, I can't sleep. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm just fumbling around, basically. I really need my iron check because it was low in pregnancy, and now they're not even going to check it. And so, like, we see every aspect of that. And this is not me beating down on GPs at all, because, like I said, some of them are absolutely amazing. But if you're not getting the answers for your symptoms, there's still your symptoms are still valid. You are you aren't imagining it. But just mm. because it's common amongst your mother's group or, you know, you read it mm. on the internet about, you know, those memes that go out about, you know, the mum yeah. walking out of the house in like a t-shirt dress and her hair's everywhere and her makeup's not even on (laughs) like these sorts of things just because it's common and we make a joke about it on social media does not mean it's normal and it doesn't mean that you have to accept it as your new normal um regardless of whether it's for a month or whether it's for six or twelve or whatever however long postpartum we deal with these symptoms you don't have to and there are so many professionals out there who are willing to help and you know Get women back to and mothers back to a really good state of health where you're not snappy and irritable at the smallest yeah. of things and, you know, you're feeling on top of the world as a mum. That
0: That is a perfect message to finish off on. There you go. Thank you. Awesome. You are most welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Chloe. Um, Thank you for having been, me. Yeah, it's been great. Um, By the way, I want to know about Hugo's birth story really quickly. What happened? Sounds very interesting because it was very textbook it was very
1: textbook so basically um I went to bed it was I knew something was happening I didn't know exactly how long to expect or anything like that but like I kind of just got some like slight, slight crampy lower cramps yeah. type thing probably about mm, eight o'clock at night and ten forty-five. I put myself to bed mum was like I'll oh, just go and get some sleep when you can like it's probably happening yeah. but just try and rest if you can I was like yeah okay cool thanks mum so I went and laid down and I rolled over and like a, I felt like a little trickle and I was like, oh, did I just try and fart? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. That's that's not we. That's something else. That was completely uh-huh. involuntary. And I stood up and it was just a little trickle, right? So I called my yep. wife. I was like, yeah, I'm in labor. Woohoo. <laughs> It's just like, well, you better come in. Like, yes, your orders sound like they've broken, but it's only a little bit. So anyway, we went in. At the time we should have like with no traffic at this time of night, twenty minutes from the Royal. So we went in and um I had like an assessment and I was having contractions by this point, but like I was joking between contractions. That's my personality. Yeah. That's how I deal with pain, right? I'm like, ha, 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 let's have a joke. Um and so they sent us home, right? They were like, No, you're completely <laughs> yeah. fine. This is not you know, we'll see you probably tomorrow afternoon, first time, mum. And I was like, Okay, cool, no worries, bye. So we jumped in the car, well, we didn't. And we got to the, like, we went down the elevator and we got into that little section out, out the front of the elevators. And it was like a thunderbolt. It was like, boom, was this contraction. And it crippled me. I was like, I wasn't over. It. And my partner, God bless him, he was like, we could go back upstairs. <laughs> and I was like, no, they said, tomorrow afternoon, I am not being in this hospital for that long. We are going home. Yeah. Got to, got to the car. There was another contraction. Anyway, basically, we got breath tested. He got breath tested on our way home. I couldn't, like, have a contraction in the car, so I kept having to get out. But I was so adamant that I was not going to be there. I was going back the next afternoon. Got home, vomited everywhere. called my oh, midwife, and I was like, hey, I think I need to come back. She's like, Chloe, oh, my gosh, like, you, you, you really need to come back. And I was like, yeah, okay. So we get in the car, and I try all these different positions in the car mm-hmm. to try and stay, you know, stable. Got out at, at one point because I was about to have a contraction and my waters truly broke. It was on Oxley Road in Brisbane, if anyone's familiar with that, and it was just a – By this time, my partner was so stressed. He was like, we just got to get to the hospital, okay? And I was like, okay. This is like two hours after my the, the little trickle, yeah. right? So yeah. – Happened quite quickly. Finally, it took us an hour and a half to get back to the hospital because it like, had to keep falling over. Got there. Oh she knew I wanted a water birth. The, birth um, the bath was running, and she was like, hey, Koi, I'm just going to check for dilation. I was like, yep, yeah, sweet, no worries. She was like, oh, you're five centimeters dilated. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Let's just get this thing out. Hey, like vomiting, <laughs> like I had it all going on. Anyway, finally, I got in the bath. I was like, I just need some, like, water. Like, I needed something. Hmm. And – um. Actually, I said, give me the drugs. (laughs) And she was like, I know that that's not what you want. Let's try the shower. And I was like, oh, man. (laughs) Um, Anyway, ended up in the the bath. And I was like, hey, Tanya, I've got to push. And she was like, oh, honey, no, you don't. Like, that's a fair while away. And I was like, okay, it's either that or I have to do a real big poo, hey. Like, there's Mm -hmm. something going on here. And she was like, she checked for dilation. She's like, oh. You're fully dilated. All right, hang on a second. No pushing. You can't push. I've got to get out of this room and go and get a witness. This is all happening very, very quickly, Chloe. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. So she left the room and um, and I said to my partner, I was like, I've got to push. And he goes, well, you can't. <laughs> like, well, I can't deny what's going on. He was like, no, 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 you can't. Just wait. Like, I'll just do a little one. <laughs> anyway, five hours from the trickle to when he was born was all that it was and Wow. Yeah, she was like it was just you know, like she did the classic, like, you know, what did you do differently? And I was like, I just listened to you, like and I listened to yeah. my body. And I again that's like a you know, a huge thing that I empower women with is like, you know your body, you know your body yeah. better than that midwife, unfortunately yeah. in those yeah. days. And even yeah. with Frankie, like I knew something wasn't right. And so when yeah. she did an internal check, she's like, She's posterior, Chloe, we've got to try and turn her and that was the yeah. most painful thing I've ever done in my life. But I did it um, without drugs and gosh. yeah she's a happy two-year-old now but um I think you know connection to your body and and really sticking firm with your birth birth preferences is absolutely key when it comes to labor and birth gosh
0: five hours that's, that's gonna be <laughs> one of the quickest stuff.
1: yeah and the most like I was like pretty calm the whole time I was just like rolling wow. with it you know like I was like yeah cool I need to vomit Oh, that's a big contraction, but I'm not going to stay here. Like I, the last place I wanted to stay was in the hospital. So I was like, yeah. I just need to get home to my people, you know, yeah. my poor partner. Like the second time when we were about to, um, when I went into labor with Frankie, he was just like, we can't do that again. <laughs>
0: It was so stressed. <laughs> Partners, you know, as soon as the waters break, they just go, oh, I have to go to the hospital now. You know, it's it's just it, it's this state of emergency, but it's usually yeah. fine. I mean, in your case, uh, it sounds like a very fast birth, which is a different story, but that's quite rare for first-time yeah. Moms. But, yeah, it's so funny. Partners are the best because they just panic sometimes in birth, and you go, you're fine. I'm not going to birth like right on the spot. Yeah, but when I say I have to push, I usually have to push and I <laughs> yeah. can't really hold it in.
1: Can't stop that one. Yeah. No, but ironically, no, no. like I was in labour with Frankie, labouring at home, and he was on the phone to TPG, organising our NBN, <laughs> and I went downstairs and I was like, babe it's time we got to go and he's like hey mate I'm really sorry my partner's in labor and we're about to go to the hospital so like can you just organize all of that and the guy's like yeah but you need to listen to the recording and accept all the terms and conditions He was like I don't have time like, yeah, yeah I don't I have
0: time <laughs> what is oh that? the joys oh, that's, that's insane I love it that is that is yeah. so funny that is so funny thank you for telling me that that first story I just wanted to hear it because it sounded epic you're welcome yeah well I haven't lived up to standards <laughs> well, oh it's amazing well um i'll i'll leave you to it um thank you so much thank you so much for having me thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed this episode if you want to get notified of when a new episode comes out please subscribe to this show on your podcast listening platform also i would really appreciate it if you could leave me a review on apple podcast or share this episode so that other mom can find it if you would like to tell your own pregnancy, birth or parenting story, please head to the show notes and you will find a form there to get in touch with me. Again, thank you so much for listening and I will be with you again next week for a new episode.